The word we're going to reflect on this morning comes from 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. And grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I have a question for you that I'd like to start off our message time with. How would you complete this sentence? My number one goal in life is, and I'll just think of a phrase or a word or maybe a sentence to complete it. My number one goal in life is, think about it for a moment. What phrase would you use? Would you say your number one goal in life is to be liked? Or would you say your number one goal in life is to uh, succeed in your career? To be happy? How would you answer that question? And the reason why I'm asking you to think through that is because whether we realize it or not, the number one goal in our life informs a lot of our decision-making process. Uh, We filter the activities we do through that goal. If we're striving for something constantly, we're going to filter out the things we don't want to do that hinder us in that goal, and we're going to do the things that help us achieve it. So for example, if your number one goal in life is to have fun, chances are if you receive one or two phone calls today from somebody inviting you to, to hang out with them, maybe play uh, a game of euchre and and have a good couple of beverages or uh, sing kumbaya, you might end up choosing one for you that's a lot more fun, all right? Now, if your number one goal in life is to be comfortable, you might get both of those phone calls and you might say something to yourself, ah, I'm just going to take the easy path. I'm I'm just going to stay home and and just be, all right? I'm just going to relax. I'd rather stay home, lie on the couch, and watch TV and not have to think much. We start to filter our activities through our number one goal in life, so it's important that you understand what yours is. What motivates you? Now, the Bible has something to say about that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, Paul has just given us how to love one another as brothers and sisters, but right at the very end of that chapter into 1 Corinthians 14, he says, pursue love, or another translation says, let love be your greatest aim, or let love be your greatest goal. It's not status, it's not prestige, it's not accomplishments or possessions or power or or privilege, it's love. And why is God so concerned about that being our number one goal? Why does he lay it out in the Bible so clearly to pursue that? Because God is love. It's his very nature. It's his very character. And all love comes from him. And we love because God loves us. That's what we have from that first John text. Here it is again. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever, has, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And then verse 8, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. You notice how it doesn't say God has love. God has a, a lot of love for all y'all. No, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says God is 
love. And the reason why God wants you to love is because it's all he is. It's his character, it's his nature, and he wants you to be just like him. That's one of the other reasons why we're going through this Believe series. We're in this next section, the last section, the third section, where we start to live out our life and faith and produce spiritual fruit. And the very first one that God lays out in Scripture is love. And so the author of Believe, and even in our sermon series, we're reflecting on love. And we love, from 1 John chapter 4, 19, we love because God first loved us. The only reason why you're here this morning, the only reason why you're suffering through a time change to be here and, and worship uh, is because God loved you. Rather than stay at home and recover, you're here because you knew and you know that you need to be reminded of that love. God loves you and he invited you here this morning. And the only reason why you can do that is because he loved you first. That's the only reason why we can love him. And then he shows us that love in in more powerful ways. Uh, We have a kind of a, a depiction in the altar area of Jesus crucified on the cross. God's love is made manifest as he sent his son into the world to live a life that we cannot love. To do things that we could not do by our own nature. He accomplished it for us. In other ways that God shows us his love is by the very gifts and blessings that he provides us with, whether it's a roof over our heads or the opportunity to travel or the blessings that you have of family. All of those things are just simply gifts that God has given you out of his love. And then another area that he's given you love is he created you. He gave you a purpose. He knit you together in your mother's womb because he loves you. And he's given you a particular job here on this side of paradise. God's love, and he wants us to be more like him. And he takes it very seriously. He lays it right out in Mark chapter 12. Jesus says this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and all your strength. And a second is this, You shall love the neighbor as yourself. And there is no other commandment greater than these. So here it is, pretty clear in the Bible. Uh, nothing, nothing in all the Bible is more important than that commandment that Jesus had laid out. He wants us to learn to love God and then also to love everybody else. And once we get that through the power of the Holy Spirit, then we start to understand the purpose that God put us on this planet for. To love him and to make his love known to others by ref- sharing the love of Jesus. When we start to do it, then we get it. We know why we're here. But let's be honest. Are we truly always loving people? If I have to do a little self-reflection here, I have to admit, no, I'm, I'm not. Because frankly, sometimes people drive me bonkers. And that's a danger as a pastor. All right? Sometimes I don't want to much be around people. And, and maybe it's because it's my own selfishness, or maybe because I've been hurt by them, and I really would not want to hang out with them. But the truth is, is there will be a day where I have to give an account to my Creator for every word that I've spoken and every action that I've said. 
pretty clear in Scripture. Jesus mentions it in, in Matthew 12. He says, we will be giving an account for every careless word in the last day. And then Paul, in several places in Scripture, Romans, and then in 2 Corinthians, he says, you will be giving an account for what you do in the body. And it may go something like this. We may be standing in the presence of our Creator at His throne, and He may ask us a question like this, what did you do with my commandments? Did you love me with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength? And did you love your neighbor as yourself perfectly? And the answer is going to be no. And that's true for every single one of us. And, and right then and there, we should be condemned. Yet standing there on our behalf is going to be the one with nail-scarred hands and nail-scarred feet. It's our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Standing there on our behalf, God's not going to see our imperfections. He's going to see Jesus' perfect love. And once we realize the gravity of what Jesus did so that we would not be forever cut off from him, that all he gave, all he spent, so that we could be in paradise with him, and then some, the joy that we're going to experience is going to well up inside us. There will be tears, but God will wipe away those tears from our eyes. And then we get to be there in the presence of our Lord forever, covered in his imperfect love, knowing full well what it means to be unconditionally, mercifully, and compassionately loved. And it's going to be life-changing. But we don't need to wait till paradise to get that life change, to live that life change. You see, once we realize the, the gravity of what Jesus has done and, and how much we've been forgiven, and, and every one of us has been forgiven much, our lives are going to look a little different. We're going to start cutting people a little bit more slack. We're not going to get as angry with other people. We're going to look to the cross of Jesus and we're going to realize his patience that he has for us and, and we're going to be more patient. The forgiveness he has for us and, and we're going to be more forgiving. We'll learn to be more merciful and, and let other people have grace and, and as the Holy Spirit touches our hearts, He's going to let us show others the love that Jesus has for them. Especially those people that we can't stand. The unloving, the hurtful people. And you may not want to love them, but through the Holy Spirit, God's going to allow you the words, I, I, I don't want to do this, Lord, but help me get there. Help me love those that hurt me. Help me let go of the wrongs. And you be the judge, and I want to live in freedom. Those nail-scarred hands make all the difference in the world. We want to learn to be like Jesus. We want to love like Jesus. And, and I pray that that's our, our new filter. That's the, the number one goal that we have. So during this journey, as we travel through the last section of Believe, and, and we look at the next set of fruits of the Spirit, they're listed on your worship guide if you'd like to look at them. We're going to be looking at those these next nine weeks. But here's my hope. If you just come here for the next nine weeks to get information, then this is useless. But if the Holy Spirit tugs on your hearts in any one of these areas and he creates life change or transformation, then it's all worth it. We want to be changed. We want to be new persons in Jesus Christ each and every day. 
So this is my prayer for you and for the whole Christian church. You as a congregation called me to be uh, in a unique role for at least a little while where I get to go out and visit with you in your home. And over the last several weeks, I started asking a question. How would you describe St. Lawrence? And I made a few words. What comes to your mind right away? And you know, I've heard a lot of wonderful things. I, I've heard some words like, it's, it's warm, it's, it's welcoming, it's, it's friendly, it's, it's blessed. Many have said it's big, okay? But how cool would it be if beyond these walls and even out of our own mouths, here's a challenge for you, we're known as a congregation that's loving, that loves like Jesus loves. That's the goal for every Christian is we want to love like Jesus loves and, and to be that reflection, that light to the world. It's not just my prayer for this congregation. It's my prayer for the whole Christian church. I want to grow in love and I want you to grow in love. And that's what Jesus wants. To be able to show by word and deed how beautiful it is to live with him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard our hearts and lives in Christ Jesus. Amen.